the mystery history podcast i'm allison i'm rachel i am jordan welcome to episode 101 101 on the cleveland kidnappings by ariel castro who's a big <laughs> douche why do you, you say it like, sound like a book director <laughs> yeah, like he's the author and director of this story ariel <laughs> i always <laughs> by ariel castro I always was a call, monster douche. <laughs> I always call the Little Mermaid Air, Ariel. Is that how you guys say it? I yeah. always say Ariel. And <laughs> Josh is always like, it's Ariel. I'm like, no, Sebastian calls her Ariel. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's I'm how I call her. Put a little spice on it. So <laughs> here in this episode, it will also be Ariel. <laughs> Under the stairs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. okay so too yeah, real sorry too real too real forget that <laughs> too much okay we have been we did our patreon episode first and something's in the water because we're good. all absolutely ridiculous at this point it's 10 o'clock on a uh-huh. work night we just there's going to be laughing and this is not funny it is not funny it is so not funny funny. Hmm. but this is how we lighten our load because this shit is terrifying and horrible yeah Yeah. we just want to get that out first we are not being disrespectful to any of the victims ariel castro is a dick total dick total Mm -hmm. dick and we'll get there confirmed we'll get to his dickishness um but before we do that let's talk about some business business yeah what do we want them to do like share subscribe as always please every episode we're gonna ask you to do it and every episode mm, we don't really get anything so share something share the memes that we post or something Share something. something, anything. Yeah. Allie, you just did a reel for your unboxing. And then I had to delete it. I don't know how to work <laughs> machines. <laughs> You'll figure it out by the time this posts, right? Yeah, I'm going to figure it so, out. So, yes. friends, share it. <laughs> and friends, um, you guys need to go to where you need to go. Letters so sorted it out. Somewhere that you ordered from. So, like, why don't you know? She don't know. Shivers. Shivers. (laughs) Shit. Shivers and spice. Shivers and shit. Shivers and spice. Uh, I was trying to put a a reel, I guess what the kids call it nowadays, on there about my unboxing of what I received. Um, So, go go to her website, shiverandspice.com. Um, it'll take you to her Etsy store where you can buy all of her things that she makes. She makes awesome stuff. She's got serial killer stuff. She's got final girl stuff, everything, everything. Um, if you use the code mystery history, you get 20% off what so she loves us she's the best she is she is the one who went with us to um brownella Brownella. when we did our ghost hunt 
which is super sweet. Which D, is a good, right? Yeah, D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, so yeah, if you want to buy some stuff from her, you get 20% off, use that mystery history code and it will happen for you. Yeah, love that. Good segue into we need some ghost hunt ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we do. We're in a rut. We need to shake it up. It's getting warm outside. Let's go on an adventure. Yeah. Let's go see some stuff. So somewhere sort of local, but like, as, as I previously mentioned, not, not Bobby Mackey's. We might go at, there. At least not for like a full ghost hunt because I've watched too much stuff recently where people have gone there. And like, I just watched the portals to hell episode with like Jack Osborne and Katrina from Penn state paranormal business, whatever it's called. And they were like, don't come here. And that scared me. <laughs> that is exactly how you get people to go places. That's how you get me to not go places. To say, don't come here. And I'll be like, I'm going to be there. No. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I won't. Don't you do it. <laughs> I'm going to be there. You. Look, yeah. That's what, they, like, that's what they're doing. They must be not doing for... great business-wise. And they need some you more think? patrons. Maybe. Ugh. I don't know. I'll go there for like a couple beers. I'll go into the scary bathroom, but then we're leaving. Like, I don't want to go do like EVP sessions by this creepy ass well in their basement or any of that. Like not interested. Speaking of EVP sessions, you have to have an EVP session thing in order to do an EVP session. So we need to get some ghost stuff. What do you recommend folks? That was so scientific. <laughs> An EVP thing, you need some ghost stuff. Yeah. That's what we need. What should we get? What should we get? I mean, I want... the EVP recorder things are not that expensive. We can just get one of those. Yeah, I want one of those ones that is like a speaking spell. And it says <laughs> yeah. stuff like... Words. Kill. Yeah. Or something. Kill. I want one of those things that like screens <laughs> through the radio stations. That shit's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. He's calling me out on that all day long. I don't like we it. We should get that. And then we need to go to your like sort of uncle's house. Yeah. Is it your uncle? Is it just your regular uncle? No, he's our step uncle. Step uncle? Y'all Stump- step uncle's Stunkle. house? Stunkles. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. have to go there because I've wanted to go there for like 15 years. Yeah, we, we need to go there. Go have a sleepover. Well, I don't know about sleeping there. That's terrifying. If anybody knows of any place in Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, maybe Michigan, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. We could do that West on Virginia. a family trip. West Virginia Mountain Mama, tell us what you got, and then maybe we can plan a trip. Cause yeah, I love trips. It's my Let's favorite. Do it. Okay, I like trips too. Uh, yeah. So, so we're thinking about that. Let us know what you. What you thinking? And then we do have the hundred episode stickers for free right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, free! Because we're business people. Mm-hmm. That's how you yeah. make money. Oh, Profits. Free. <laughs> Give stuff for free. <laughs> uh, so, Economics. JK, we, we just like you guys. We do, and we spend our hard earned <laughs> money to to give you things with our, our logo on it. The what? How do I have the money? Hard earned money. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so it, we have that on Instagram. If you want to go there, you can message us or you can email us or Facebook us and tell us, Hey, yo girl, I need a sticker. 
and give me your address, which like, okay. So let me just tell you this. We are a true crime podcast. (laughs) Y'all ain't learned shit. You didn't learn nothing. We know where you guys live. I have so many people's addresses. I think we got like one PO box. Smart girl. Smart. Smart. (laughs) Which, which, yeah. But. I mean, we're not doing anything with these, we're not. so please, <laughs> we will send you a sticker and that will be all, but for people, I mean, I just say, there, hey, folks, yeah, I just say, Hey, give me your address. And people are just giving them to me. And I'm like, no, this is, this is <laughs> not how it's supposed to be. Just send a note with each sticker. Is like, don't do that shit again. Don't this is dangerous. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Nothing's going to happen, but I do have a lot of addresses. <laughs> <laughs> You sound so ominous yeah, that I'm going to send three stickers too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. My goodness. Well, all right. Have we bored also, them enough? Oh, Probably. I have a new podcast called Retro yeah. Waved. Yes. I started it a while ago and then kind of stopped doing it. Now I'm back doing it. So it's just me for right now, but I'm trying to have people on it. So people, people. People's. Yes. So it's just Retro Wave podcast. Yeah. on instagram so go check that out and i think uh we shared some stuff from there so you can find it on our instagrams mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. too so yeah you just did a resident evil episode yes. which is always good yes like that's childhood right there that's the, the highest of grossing the horror like i don't they call it a franchise because of the movies and the games it's the highest grossing of all time that it's makes like, sense Resident Evil's made almost $2 billion. Did you guys watch the newer Resident Evil movie? Yeah. Yep. Y'all, that was good. I, I really that. liked it. You didn't uh, like it? Oh, I go into it on that episode. It's like the- they tried to... I like that they followed the games, but they tried to do too much. Because those games, so. they're supposed to take like six to eight hours to go through. And they try yeah. to... They're supposed Put to... That's it 12 hours. hours. Yeah. 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 They crammed way too much in there. I what feel about like a the... season? Like they need to make a TV show. They're about to come out that. in what? July, I think. Yeah, on Netflix. Huh. It's a good idea. Just, I just really like the girl that they have in the movie. Um, I don't remember her name, but she's from the UK Skins. Joe Valentine? I... No. Mm-mm. Not Joe Valentine. The sister. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's good. I love Redfield. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. She good. She good. Because I, I was gonna say her. Joe Valentine is booty, dude. She sucks. Oh no, not her. Oh, I thought <laughs> booty meant good. No, she sucks. <laughs> I don't know. No, I liked the sister. Kids. She's one of my favorites. Love her. But yeah, I feel like it was good. I feel like the movie was good. I mean, I also went in with very low expectations. So I guess that probably has something to do with how I feel about it. But yeah, anyways. Congratulations, Jordan, on your new, uh, what's the word? New uh, venture. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like a reboot. A reboot. Yeah. yeah. A reimagining. I'm, of, I'm making some cool shirts too, like retro style t-shirts and like vintage looking stuff. Yeah. And uh, some more mystery history stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like all, all the ones I just made uh-huh. for you. Yeah. Plus five. Yeah. 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 Oh, free. <laughs> the price of being my sibling. Uh huh. 
Okay, well, have we bored them enough? Yeah, I would say. With business. Let's move in. Let's get into this jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're really searching and that's all you got? That's... I don't know. I didn't know how graphic I should be. Keep it PG over I was. here. <laughs> I was. Okay. George, why don't you start us off? Okay. So Ariel Castro <laughs> was born July 10th, 1960 in Duayeco, Puerto Rico. Castro's parents divorced when he was a child and he moved to the mainland United States with his mother and three full siblings. They lived in Reading, Pennsylvania before settling in Cleveland, Ohio, where Castro's father and other family were living. He had nine siblings, both full and half, and graduated from Cleveland's Lincoln West High School in 1979. Cleveland is super close to us, like three hours. Mm-hmm. So this happened yeah. not too far away from where we live. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Rachel? We're going in the wrong order. I just don't want to say this lady's name. All right, I got you. (laughs) Castro met Grimalda Figuero when his family moved across the street from hers in the 80s, and they soon became a couple. They lived with both sets of parents, but moved in their own home at 2207 Seymour Avenue, located in Cleveland's Tremont neighborhood in 1992. The home was a two-story, 1,300-square-foot, four-bedroom, one-bathroom house with a 760-square-foot unfinished basement that was built in 1890, but it was remodeled in 1956. It's a pretty big-ass house. It's a big house. Is it? No, it's not. I mean, it's bigger than my house. Your house is not big. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's all relative. <laughs> it's not that big and only one bathroom. That is crazy. That's crazy. a problem. That is a problem. Yeah. Built in 1890, is. though. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Old. And it looks yeah. like uh, we have a picture and we'll post <clears> it. I mean, it looks like an un- unassuming, normal mm-hmm. house. Yep. Yeah. Nothing weird. Nothing weird. Oh, man. I should have had you read this one. Wow. Guero's sister, Alita Carabello, (laughs) said that all hell started breaking loose when they moved into their new home. Caraballo and her husband, Frank, claimed that Castro beat Figuero and broke her nose, ribs, and arms. What? (laughs) Which caused a blood clot on her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumor. He also threw her down a flight of stairs and cracked her skull that's insanity i didn't even that know is so much i didn't even know you could get a blood clot and it turned into a tumor in your that brain inoperable yeah that's like ugh. yeah that is scary in 1993 he was arrested for domestic violence but was not indicted by a grand jury so even after how? all that shit happened yeah how he that's like crazy. near killed her yeah Ew. He pr- he pretty much did just not immediately. Right immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Figueroa, that's how I'm saying it. <laughs> Come on, Figaro, Figaro. <laughs> That's it. Moved out of the house in 1996 and was able to secure custody of her four kids. Thankfully, 
Police assisted her in the move and held Castro like they detained him, but they didn't press any charges. Even though she had moved out, he still continued to threaten and attack her after she left. She filed charges in 2005 in Cuyahoga County Domestic Relations Court, accusing him of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her, and he would abduct their daughters, which is probably, as a mother, the scariest part is he would just, like, pick them up from school and not tell the mom, you know, like, where her Uh. kids The court granted a temporary restraining order against Castro, but it was dismissed a few months later. So pretty much he slipped through all the cracks. Yeah. Which were like some pretty tight cracks to slip through. Like he really physically abused that mom and then broke all the rules. Yeah. That's insane. So in 2008, Ariel's 20 year old daughter was sentenced to prison for 25 years after slashing her baby's throat. Who was 11 months old at the time thankfully the baby survived the attack what that is, this is yeah just i don't know painting, how that happens this is just painting a picture for you of how freaking nuts these people are yeah a lot of uh, mental issues insane. i'm guessing yeah so in april 2012 figueroa died due to complications from her brain tumor Friends gathered on Denison Avenue on April 29th, 2012 for memorial services in her honor. So he did kill her. He did. Yeah. 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 Just slowly over a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's not my turn, but you wrote this. So proceed. Now that we're all sped up on Castro, we know he's a douche nozzle for sure. <laughs> and it's cra- if crazy. Crazy runs in the family because who slashes an 11 month old baby's throat nobody 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 that's a mess that's a strong ass baby gotta say that i mean yeah, yeah. that's nuts i don't even uh, know how you could like do that to a baby like i, I don't i mean know. to be fair the brain tumor might have been fucking with her like no that's, this like, was his daughter this is somebody else this is his daughter did that you're right you're right i misread that wow not yeah. the same person i mean maybe she's wow. under stress because her mother has a brain tumor but still you don't be stabbing babies and no. that's another one we just talked about this in the patreon but she slashed her baby's throat and only got 25 years in jail if you do that you should be away for life yeah because something's wrong with that's, you yeah something's yeah. definitely not okay that's insane that's not but, long enough no 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 and that baby will be 26 years old when the mom gets out. And how terrifying Can you imagine for the baby. Being a, yeah, being a person and knowing your mom tried to slash your throat when you were a baby. Yeah. Like, no. The mental yep. situation there. What a mess. Yeah. Ugh, that's all. So, anyway, so Castro equals crazy town. Let's back up now to August 23rd, 2002. All right. So, Michelle Knight was 21 years old in 2002 and was leaving her cousin's house, making her way to a court hearing for a child custody case involving her son, Joey, who is currently a ward of the state. Ariel Castro saw Michelle walking and stopped to ask her if she wanted a ride. She agreed because she recognized him as one of her friend's fathers and was taken to his house where he lured her inside by telling her he had a puppy that he would give her um, for her son. 
Once inside, he then led her to the basement and tied her up with rusted chains and put a motorcycle helmet on her head. Yeah. So this is very different than what the 2020 episode I watched said. For Michelle, from Michelle speaking. Yeah. For Michelle, what the 2020 episode said happened was that she was walking to this court hearing and got lost. Yes. And went into a family dollar or a dollar general or something like that and asked the clerk where the address was. And Ariel Castro was there. And he said, oh, I know where that is. I'll take you there. And then asked her if she wanted if she wanted to come to his house to like see something and told her there was puppies there. And then she went inside. So yes that's so correct. like similar yeah but just a little bit different no she was lost um and i did not put that in the notes but yeah she was lost and he was saying that he knew where she where needed she needed to, to go for but this I, court hearing yeah but i don't understand because she was under a time constraint to get to this place she must Why? have been like super early or something i don't know like to yeah. know that she was walking maybe she left like super early and didn't need to be there till later because she agreed to go to his house beforehand which is yeah. bizarre yeah but she but thought yeah. that he was safe because yeah her it was one of her friend's dads michelle said that she begged him to let her go and he said that he couldn't take her back and he threw money at her. He had an obsession with hookers and thought she was a 13-year-old prostitute. When she told him that he was, she was actually 21, he became very upset, but he still raped her. Because Michelle was an adult and it was thought that she had run away after losing custody of her son because she didn't get to go to the hearing, um, the police did not investigate much on her disappearance she was then actually removed from the National Crime Information Center database 15 months after she disappeared, which basically made her disappearance completely unknown to anybody. Wow. Her family was also a piece of shit and decided to pick up and move to another state. So even if Michelle would have came back, say she was locked up for a week or two weeks or a month and came back, nobody would have been there. And like some other really sad shit about her life, she was, she ran away from home for a while and was literally sleeping in a trash can. Like she's really small and she would crawl into a trash can and cover up and sleep in it. Like it, her story is so sad to me. And I mean, her family was abusive to her, like sexually abusive, emotionally abusive. So she had like a long history of just a really hard life and yeah, there was nobody looking for her. Yeah. That's, that's the most, I feel like after coming out of all of that, knowing that nobody was looking for you, like that must be heartbreaking. And she's so positive, Mm -hmm. like, ugh. She's, she is like a ray of light, like amazing. It's, it's crazy. Her story especially is just insane. So moving on, Amanda Berry disappeared on April 21st, 2003, the day after her 17th birthday in one year after Michelle was taken. 
She was last heard from by her sisters saying that she was getting a ride home from her job at Burger King. The FBI considered her a runaway until a week after her disappearance. The FBI first considered her a runaway. Oh. Yeah, the FBI considered her a runaway until one week after her disappearance when an unidentified male used her phone to call her mother. He said, I have Amanda. She's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days. That, in that's sick. Yeah, that is super is. disgusting. Yeah. Um, in 2004, Amanda was featured on America's Most Wanted, which also re-aired in 2005 and 2006. Barry, uh, later DeJesus, who we'll talk about next, were profiled on the Oprah Winfrey show and the Montel Williams show where self-proclaimed psychic Sylvia Brown told Barry's mother, Luana Miller, in 2004 that her daughter was dead and that she was in water. This devastated her mother, causing her to break uh, or to take down pictures and give Barry's computer away. Luana never stopped searching for Amanda, or for Amanda, but died of heart failure in early March of 2006. That's awful. Those that people... is the saddest thing. Yeah. Those that people woman. are terrible people. Yeah. That's what funny. a piece of shit that woman is. Which yeah. she was like famous. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And two, Amanda Berry like saw that. Yep. Because she had to access to a television. So she saw this woman tell her mother that she was dead when yep. she was kidnapped. And like, oh, that's just so heartbreaking. And she never got to see her mom again. Nope. Mm, that's awful. I would literally find this Sylvia Brown person and fucking punch her in the face. You would think <laughs> like somebody would sue her. You know what I mean? Because like. Yeah, yeah, you're like obviously making shit up. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Well, and you know, to her, her whole life's work, I'm sure the the average answer would be, "Oh, yeah, they're dead." You know what I mean? Probably. So she's probably thinking, "These people are dead. I'll just give the mom closure, say she's in water somewhere, and then that'll be that. They'll never find them." Which is still sh- fucking shitty. But she broke her mom's heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she and, died. And she died. Yeah. Yep. Before Amanda yeah. became free. And I, I saw too in that 2020 episode that she said that her mom died. Like somebody said that her mom obviously died from a broken heart. Like she gave up hope. Yeah. Because it wasn't that. It wasn't what? 2004. And then 2006, she was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so pretty very, good. pretty fast. So sad. On December 25th, to, uh, 2006, Amanda gave birth to a daughter who she named Jocelyn. Ariel Castro was, of course, the father. And we'll talk more about that a little later. In July 2012, Robert, this is kind of jumping a little bit. So I'm trying to keep all of the, the girls stuff together. Um, but in July 2012, Robert Wolford, who was a prison inmate from Tremont, claimed he had information about where Amanda's body was buried, even though she wasn't dead. He led police to an empty lot on Cleveland's west side where they searched and found nothing. He was sentenced to 4.5 years in prison for obstruction of justice, making a false report and making a false alarm. Like, why the hell? We talk about this. People just want to be involved in this, in in these stories. And completely took them off the trail for some, for no damn reason. Nothing. And then went to jail for it. 
for, yeah, for quite a long time, which he should have, because who knows that time that they wasted could have been valuable time. They were finding them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a waste. It's insane. That is such a random thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of the, yeah. Very weird. Wouldn't you think people have better things to do? (laughs) Well, not if he was already an inmate, he's probably like, maybe he was trying to be like, maybe he was trying to get time off of his sentence. If be like, I'll exactly, tell you where yeah. something is. Maybe. If you make yeah. stuff up. Yeah. That's right. so weird. Yeah. So Gina Jesus, she went missing April 2nd, 2004 at the age of 14. She was last seen at a payphone around 3 p.m. while on her way home from her middle school. At the time, she was friends with Castro's daughter, Arlene. Shortly before Gina disappeared, she and Arlene had called Arlene's mother, Grimelda, for permission to have a sleepover at Gina's house, but uh, Grimelda replied that they could not, and the two girls parted ways. Arlene was the last person to see Gina before her disappearance. Gina was under the impression that Castro was picking her up to drop her off at home, but he had told her they were looking for a child who had gone missing. She trusted Castro because she was friends with his daughter and she had literally just left her. Right. Yeah. No one witnessed her abduction and an Amber Alert was not issued, which angered her father. In 2006, he said the Amber Alert should work for any missing child, whether it's abduction or a runaway. A child needs to be found. We need to change this law. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So did they think it was a runaway situation? Yeah, you have to be missing for a certain amount of time before, before they will. Mm-hmm. I think it's yep. like 48 hours Stupid. or something. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. And then it was that if they were over 18, you couldn't report somebody missing. Then they changed that law. Like it's it's freaking ridiculous. In 48 hours, somebody could be dead. Right. Yeah. Especially like I know 14 is a little older they have a little bit more knowledge of what's going on but like let's say a 10 year old or an eight year old like they need to be with a parent yeah immediately (laughs) they can't can't be running the streets right so in 2005 the fbi released a composite sketch and a description of a male suspect described as latina 25 to 35 years of age five feet ten inches 165 to 185 pounds with green eyes, a goatee, and possibly a pencil-thin beard. According to court records, Castro was 5 feet 7 inches, 179 pounds with brown eyes and a goatee. Pretty close. So, I mean, yeah, pretty pretty spot Where'd on. they get that? I don't know, because they, they got it from Gina, but nobody saw her being abducted. So, I don't know where exactly they thought this together, but, I mean pretty pretty accurate she was taken like on the same corner that amanda was taken to yeah dang that's so gino gino was also featured on america's most wanted which linked her to barry the disappearances received regular media attention in 2012 while the families held public vigils castro attended at least two of these vigils and participated in a search party he tried to get close to the de jesus family Castro's son, Anthony, was a journalism student in 2004, and he interviewed DeJesus's mother for an article about the disappearances in the Plain Press newspaper. 
Police kept the investigation open and offered a $25,000 reward for information. That's it's so sick when people do that. Gross. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's just I don't, even, I don't even know what would you're so beyond fucked up like to do that. Totally. Yeah. And to try to befriend the family like and yeah, knowing how much disgusting. hurt you're causing them that makes sense. Uh, Castro's uncle said that his family knew the De Jesus family and had lived in the same neighborhood as them. Castro claimed that he was not aware that Gina was a member of that family when he abducted her. Once Castro ran into Gina's mother, who was passing out missing persons flyers, when he got home, he, so he took a flyer and when he got home, he gave it to Gina and laughed. How do you do that? Like... <laughs> Lowest of the low, man. He yeah. a freaking bottom feeder. Gross. So on the outside of 2207 Seymour Avenue, it looked like a normal house on a normal street, but inside it was hell. There were makeshift alarms rigged to the front and back doors with a porch swinging swing blocking a stairway. Heavy fabric was used to obstruct the kitchen and second floor. Plastic toilets were in the bedrooms. Many doors didn't have handles, but were padlocked, deadbolted, and slide locked. Solid wood was covering the second floor windows, assuring no light would enter. This is weird to me. And I don't know if it's because we don't live in a city like this, but like all of the windows had stuff over them like covering them and i feel mm -hmm. like if i noticed that on my neighbor's house i would be like mm. i want to look at a house downtown <laughs> and the the neighbor's house was like that they had like all their windows covered i was like nah, not a good sign we have <laughs> like that's weird yeah we have a couple weird. houses around here that have questionable curtains that i don't know if it's like you know what i mean if it's just a sheet that is propped up again on something like i don't know I, so i guess it's like no big deal in like a, a more densely populated city i don't know on my street if i saw something like that i'd probably call the cops yeah i don't know it's gonna <laughs> be like somebody needs to welfare check this especially if it just happens out of nowhere like one day all their windows are covered but like so, i yeah. feel I feel like on the outside, though, you can't really tell that they're blocked. It looks like there's white sheets or like a white, um, you know, yeah, a white like a over covered. It. And then he probably put that stuff over top of that so that yeah. they couldn't look out oh, the window and try to smart. get somebody's attention. So because on the outside, it looks very, I mean, I would not just I would, a whatever house. Yeah, I would walk by it and be like, they're just tired and their blinds are down closed all the time. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Um, so restraints yeah. were everywhere. Duct taped plastic zip ties, metal chains uh, fastened to basement poles and bedroom walls. Castro had a gun that he would show the women and tell them that he would shoot them. If they ever tried to escape, he would sometimes make them play Russian roulette where one bullet is loaded, the cylinder spun and a person pulls the trigger. Based on the diaries they kept, the girls um, are kept by the girls. He would forcibly rape them. He would leave them in the dark rooms so they could anticipate their next rape or abuse. Um, the women locked their 
uh, were locked in their bedrooms where they were forced to use plastic toilets that were not often emptied. They were fed one meal a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most. Ugh. That's like hard to read, man. That's so. Yeah. yeah. Especially like he's lucky with the Russian roulette stuff that it didn't happen once. You yeah. know what I mean? All it takes is one time. I bet. I bet there was no bullet in it. Maybe he there, there was uh, again on this 2020 episode I watched, which apparently I'm going to talk about five million times. Uh, Gina said that he played with her once and she thought, whatever, I have nothing to lose. And he would show her the bullet and he pulled the trigger on her. And then he had her take the gun to pull the trigger on him and said, if you really care about me, you won't pull this trigger. But if you do, you hate me. And she pulled it and nothing happened. And he left. But like there was a bullet in there. Like he was doing that. And two, they like these girls were kept apart from one another they very mm-hmm. rarely were like together, so they couldn't like commiserate or plan anything. And then two, he would create this situation where they would be jealous of one another by being fed an extra meal or brought clothes or given an extra shower, like these bare ass basic amenities they would create like hostility. He would like create hostility between them because of it. That's like disgusting. And that's why that I think we'll talk about it for a second later, but that's why Michelle is kind of the outsider of the two. Um, Like Gina and Amanda are pretty close, but Michelle is kind of off by herself because of that animosity that was created in the house yeah so and she said too like just the memories like seeing them brings up too many memories mm-hmm. of the situation that she wants to like get move rid on of from but yeah no Ugh. i i totally get that um mm-hmm. so instead of celebrating birthdays castro made the women celebrate their abduction day which is like awful that's disgusting <laughs> which i mean i don't know if that'd be the only way you'd know how many years you were in there i i don't know i I mean they did they were allowed to watch tv so i'm sure that they knew what date and time it was but still just a a yearly reminder of another year's past Mm -hmm. michelle knight told police that castro had impregnated her at least five times and had caused miscarriages by hitting her with dumbbells punching her and slamming her against walls he would also starve her Michelle's grandmother told reporters after she was rescued that she would require facial recognition, reconstruction, what am I saying? Reconstruction surgery due to the beatings she received and had uh, lost hearing in one of her ears. At one point, this is awful. Michelle had a pet dog while in captivity, but Castro killed it by snapping its neck after it bit him while trying to protect her from Castro. Uh, so just totally, I that mean, paragraph might be one of the, out of the 101 episodes we've done the worst paragraphs. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. That is dear God. That's awful. Yes. She lost a whole bunch of babies and he killed her pet dog in front of her. Yeah. Well, just that he caused them like, the miscarriages yeah that's yeah just like god 
And it seemed like um, I was watching one episode of one of her interviews and seemed like Michelle got the brunt of the really bad stuff because she would try to challenge him mm-hmm. and he didn't like that. Um, so I think she was beat quite a bit more than the other girls were, which is awful. So it is awful. DeJesus told law enforcement that she was raped, but did not believe that she was ever pregnant. On December 25th, 2006, Castro made Michelle assist Amanda Berry in giving birth to her daughter. He had given them a small inflatable swimming pool and told Michelle that he would kill her if the baby did not survive. Can you imagine that? That pressure. This woman has no experience (laughs) in delivering babies and is told, like, you're going to die if this baby dies. Well, and she received, you know, very little food, no prenatal care. I mean, probably was Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's not good odds, good situation. And then also Michelle had lost five babies because of this guy and he's having her deliver a baby that he called at one point after the birth, the baby stopped breathing, but Michelle was able to resuscitate her by CPR. The baby was named Jocelyn and would stay with Amanda. Castro started calling or calling her chains. Oh, he would call her chains bracelets instead yeah. of chains. And when Jocelyn was almost three years old, Castro removed Amanda's chains because of Jocelyn. She taught Jocelyn how to read and write, and Castro would occasionally take her out of the house to visit his mother or go to the park. Jocelyn called him daddy and Castro's mother, grandmother in 2013, he showed one of his adult daughters, a picture of the child and told her it was one of his girlfriend's daughters from a prior relationship. He told others this was his granddaughter. So he would take her out quite frequently. He would take her to church. Um, he would to the park. Yeah. He would take her places and kind of show her off. And I can't imagine how scary that would be for her Amanda Amanda yeah um and and she said we might mention this later that you know she always thought that Castro was good to his daughter as good as you could be in that kind of situation and that he really loved his daughter and she really loved him back um but she was always kind of worried about would he abuse her like Mm-hmm. They're he getting abusing abused. everybody else. Yeah. 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 And the situation she set up to like teach her daughter mm-hmm. things with like nothing. Yeah. And she tried to keep the bedroom very clean and, and tried to give her some sense of normalcy that, that she could. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy to think like you're in that dire situation and, and she made all the efforts to make uh-huh her daughter have like the best life possible is it's insane i mean it's wonderful and but also just really sad just think about that though like three years old yeah she was there until she was like five i I know six yeah that's crazy it's forever Mm, it's crazy so police went to castro's home one time following the kidnappings the neighbors had claimed to have called the police about suspicious activity at the home Apparently, Castro was not home at the time, but was interviewed somewhere else. 
Castro's son, Anthony, said the only thing weird to him was that there was some areas in the house that were locked off. Three weeks before the women escaped, Castro asked Anthony if Amanda would ever be found. Anthony reply, replied he thought she was dead, and Casco, Castro responded, really, you think so? What the It's just like, yeah. Toying with him. It, yeah. Because he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Yeah. So during these years, he held the girls in captivity. He continued to go about go on about his life. He worked as a school bus driver, which is disgusting. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. He would play in jam bands, go to church on Sundays, then come home and abuse these women sexually, physically, and emotionally. In 2004, while working for the Cleveland Metro School District, Castro left a child alone on a school bus. In 2012, he was fired for after doing the same thing. Hmm. So the fact that this man was driving around people's children. children. Terrifying. That would make you sick if you learned about mm-hmm. that later on. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 6, 2013, Castro left the house for the day. And Jocelyn, who pretty much kind of had the, the roam of, of the home, um, came to her mother, Amanda, and said that she couldn't find her daddy and that his car wasn't there. Cautiously, Amanda realized that he had failed to lock the big inside door, even though that there was an exterior storm door that was bolted shut. They were, she was kind of timid about like checking this out because Castro had tested them before by leaving the house partially unlocked to see if they would escape. And if he caught them, he would beat them. So Amanda saw neighbors through the screen and screamed for help. Luckily, neighbor Angel uh, Angel Cordero responded to the screams, but he was not able to talk to Barry because he spoke little English. So another a- neighbor, Charles Ramsey, joined him at the house's front door. And they actually kicked a hole through the bottom of the storm door so Amanda and her daughter could crawl through it. Ramsey said that Amanda told him that she and her child had been kept inside the house against her will. She ran to the house nearby, which was another Spanish-speaking neighbor, and Ramsey helped her call 911. She told the operator, help me. I've been kidnapped. I've been missing for 10 years, and I'm here. I'm free now. Let me tell you about this 911 call. The guy who answered the phone is a complete ass. She is like saying, help me, help me. And he's like, what do you need? Fire, police, or what? Like, she's like, I've been kidnapped. I've been missing for 10 years. Okay. Like, basically, like, okay, who do you need me to call? Like, what what do you need? And the police, asshole. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, where, where are you at? And she gave him the address. And of course, she wasn't at that address. She was across the street. And he's like, well, it's not showing that you're calling from there. And then she was like hysterical, as you would be. And the guy's like, well, just talk to uh, just talk to the cops whenever they get there. And she's like, well, did you call the cops? Are they coming? It's like, yeah, I called them and and they'll be there soon. Just tell them what happened. Like whenever you're on a 911 call with somebody, you're supposed to stay with them on the phone until police show up. So you can do that warm transfer of, okay, I know that this person's taken care of. So he hung up with her like before. And she asked several times, are they coming? Yeah, they're coming. Talk to them whenever they get there. Like totally blowing her off. Jeez. Didn't he say too like the next available car will be there or something? Yeah, like, like that? no, like not like 
I'm no sending somebody right now. It was like the next available person. Well, now I will, get to you. I will say that she did not. If it was me, I would have said there are other girls in the house that she are. Tr- no, she didn't. I, but, but I mean, you hadn't been out You're of the house in 11 years. Whatever. Yeah, yeah you probably don't know what to think. No. So I mean, yeah, say whatever you want. <laughs> so I mean, point. maybe that would have been like a oh shit, like something's crazy. Um, but but no, well, he did not handle that well. That call at all. And she was scared too that Ariel Castro would show up. Yeah, like while she's outside, and yep. what would he do? Like he could still kill her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like I he's, don't know. He's essentially dead anyway. Now that they're out, I mean, yeah. So, so what does like, he have to lose at that point? Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So officers responded to the call and entered Castro's house. They walked through the upstairs hallway with guns drawn and announced they were CDP. So at this point, I would just like to say Michelle and Gina had turned up music to block out sounds because they thought that Amanda had gotten caught trying to sneak out and was getting beat. So they were trying to like drown out whatever sounds were occurring from downstairs because they didn't want to hear her getting hurt, basically. So they were like hiding upstairs, basically. Um, And Michelle Knight peeked out of a slightly open bedroom door, entered the hallway and jumped into the police officer's arms saying, you saved me. Soon after, Gina entered the hallway from another bedroom. Michelle and Gina walked out together and all three women plus Jocelyn were taken to Metro Health Medical Center. Amanda and Gina were released from the hospital the same day, but Michelle was discharged four days later on May 10th. This rescue ignited hope in the families of Ashley Summers, another young woman who had disappeared in the Cleveland area in early July 2007 after leaving her home following a dispute with her parents. Police initially believed that there could be other captives in Castro's house, but they didn't find any. She is still missing to this day. So that did not clear up where she's at. So the same day the girls were discovered, Ariel Castro was arrested and charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape on May 8th, which carries a prison sentence of 10 years to live in Ohio. Two of to life huh? to life. Sorry. Typo. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 10 years to life. Yes. Okay. So two of Castro's brothers were taken into custody, but they were released three days later when police found no involvement in the kidnappings and the charges were dropped on May 9th, 2013 Castro made his first court appearance and bail bail was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge adding to a total of $8 million. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty. Other charges that were pending included aggravated murder for intentionally inducing miscarriages, attempted murder assault, a charge for each instance of rape, and a kidnapping charge for each day a captive was held. Uh, After Castro was... And they were there for like They were there for, yeah, 10 to 12 years. Yeah, that's insane. So times four, yeah. 
After Castro was caught, a suicide note was found in his house that discussed the abductions and wrote that his money and possession should be given to the kidnapped women if he were caught. He referred to himself as a blood clotted or as cold. What did I just say? Cold blooded. Wow. Blood clotted. Blood clotted. <laughs> Not even close. He described himself as cold blooded and a sex addict. <laughs> Slash blood clotted. I don't know where that came from. My, my bad. <laughs> so Rachel was able to find this um, suicide note. And they were. It's not a suicide note. There was. So there's two notes. There was a note that he wrote right after he abducted Gina. That is a like confession, which okay. is what this is. I think he also wrote a suicide note when he was in jail. I don't know. Okay, so this is, we're going to, there's a couple pages here, so we'll alternate reading pages. Page one was dated 4-4 of 04. To the best of my knowledge, I was born in Puerto Rico. I was abandoned by my father and later by my mother. My grandma raised me. I was abused sexually by the son of Louis and Phila. His name is Puco. He penetrated my rear a couple of times. I was five or six years old. I soon learned how to masturbate. I was interested in sex at a very young age. Sex had always been a too big a part of my life. I married at age 20. I lived a normal life with my wife and children, but my marriage was a failure from the beginning. My mother was an abusive parent. Her way of discipline was very bad for this made me grow hatred for her. There were times I wish she would die. Anyway, my marriage was abusive. Also, my wife would hit on me and push me to the limit. I hit her back. She put me in jail only to get me out and apologize to me. This happened a couple of times, but the name calling and arguments were always there. I tried to reason with her that the kids did not need to see or hear the arguments or fights. I felt bad to see my children frightened and scared. My wife always says she didn't give a shit if they were here or not the marriage lasted about 12 years i always loved and still love my children this guy is he's a, a blind piece of shit such a victim yep he almost killed her and he's like she hit on me yeah <laughs> like give wow. me an actual yeah. break Ugh. so page two says about six years ago my wife left for for man I didn't mind as long as my kids and they were in a good home. This man did nothing. I kept taking this in, but better. They were better off with their mother. I understand why this man took the, okay. So this is like weird. Yeah. It's hard. He is, yeah, it's like, of, these words yeah. are not right. Not in English, like yeah. sentence wise, but took the to finish raising my kids when he knew, um, they were in a relationship as a father. My ex-wife has many problems, um, but she can't get out of the relationship. I'm paraphrasing here to make this make sense. I lived yeah, alone kind of for everywhere. the most part of my marriage. I had a good sex drive. I was in a relationship with a woman I cared for. I met a woman at family dollar on Clark. The woman needed a ride somewhere. I brought her to my home. Michelle has been there ever since about two years. I got another opportunity to get another woman in my van. This he's calling these people women and they were literally freaking like 
children. children. Yeah. Yeah. This girl is Amanda on West 110 walking home a short distance. I asked her if she needed a ride home and she said, yes, I brought her to my house. She has been there for about a year smoking her pot cigarettes that I provide. These two women accepted sex. I treat them well and make sure they eat good. Freaking. He's insane. What? Where does he yeah, He live thinks he's like doing mind? them a favor. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, I gave her pot and McDonald's and she likes my sucks. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So page three, I don't understand why I keep looking for women out on the street as I already have two in my possession. One day I was driving down the rain Avenue near one Oh five. A woman was walking. I asked her if she needed a ride. She agreed. I calmly drove her to my house. This girl is Georgina. I asked her to come inside. She said, yes, these women are, are here against their will because they made a mistake by getting in the car with a total stranger. I had no idea. Gina was so young. She looks a lot older. Also not knowing she's the daughter of Felix, a school classmate of mine. The bottom line is I am a sexual predator who needs help, but don't bother to get it. I live a private life. I function around others like a normal person. I've been having problems with my head for a long time. I feel depressed, dizzy, and short-term memory loss. I feel uh, indecipherable. Uh, I don't know what's wrong, basically, with me. Um, To the parents of these three women, I would like to say I'm very sorry. I am sick. Five years ago, I was diagnosed with a cyst in my brain. I don't know, or I don't, I don't, this is what made me behave the way I do, uh, not have any feelings for the bad things I've done. I can blank the public. These three women are the only ones I have harmed to holding them against their will. When I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like I'm really here. For some reason, I feel like, and then a bunch of question marks. The big problem in my everyday life I want to put an end to my life and let the devil deal with me. Mm. Okay. Next page is I feel so bad about the age of Gina. I will admit I did molest her, but did not rape her. Yes, I actually did. feel the closeness to her and her parents. I do not have the urge to touch her. I feel it's wrong. Anyway, my intentions are to let these women go when I feel I have arranged everything. So my family knows what to do after I take my life. I have a dollar bank account with about $10,875 and I have cash, about 11,000 in cash, 11,000 under the washer machine. That's it. Do not look for any more money. There isn't any more. My family will need to know this. I would like the money to go to the three victims for they deserve every red cent of it. Again, I apologize. Sorry to everyone. This whole ordeal, uh, this whole ordeal has affected to my children. Please be strong and make the right decisions. Just because you may think, you know, someone do not get into their vehicle. This was the case of Amanda and Gina because they both knew him because they were friends with his kids. Mm -hmm. Nilda, please do your best to ensure my babies are safe. If possible, move away far away. As I write this letter on 4404-205 p.m., my symptoms are clearly bothering me, dizziness and not really feeling like I'm here. Also depression. I know I am sick mentally. So that's it. So, so they, wow. found, they found that, but like the, they found that written out 
in a drawer in the kitchen and it was like nine years later yeah wow something like it's that it's wild how Maybe he not knows nine, though but... that like at least he's he's like aware but so then he he's not but he's it. not too like he's aware but he's not he's not admitting that he's like raping and torturing these people yeah, he's like he's saying not saying wrong with my, yeah, yeah yeah he's like oh they're here and i'm holding them against their will and yeah. like a strange it's very like, much victim blaming like it's their fault because they got into a vehicle that yeah, they didn't yeah. know even though two of them did know well three of them actually because michelle knew him too i don't think she did know him she said that she in the thing i watched she said that she recognized him as the father of one of her friends or something like that oh see what i watched she didn't say that i mean in yeah it. but yeah the other two did know they're his daughters and that's terrifying is that not terrifying because i yeah, totally would have gotten into a car yeah. if i really needed a ride and i saw my friend's dad oh yeah absolutely i'm like okay yeah <laughs> like, yeah sure take me home that's great you yeah. got puppies let me go see them <laughs> like that would have been fine that's insane it's very you can't trust anybody i know and like how do you teach your kids that <laughs> right you can't like like you might know them but also don't get in their car if anybody (laughs) says i got puppies get the hell out of the answer is no you don't i'll get my mom get into no cars unless i'm with you that's yeah (laughs) yeah seriously or know who you're getting in a car with even Mm -hmm. like any of those things think about their cell phones now exercise is very important you need to hoof it they always (laughs) said you had like a passcode with your friends and all that and yep family yeah. friends so yeah yeah we had no. one I don't know yeah you did mm-hmm. we like if somebody would pull up and say oh your mom and dad were in an accident and i'm gonna go take you to them they would have to tell us what the passcode was and if they didn't know oh. tell us the passcode then we wouldn't know it was not real that's so smart i didn't have one of those yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i never had to use it but Thank goodness Good to but know. Yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy it's just i don't know the whole thing's insane and yeah he's very much like he's aware he's doing something wrong mm-hmm. but then also is still like very much being like this mm-hmm. was not my fault yeah. <laughs> yeah it's such a weird like dichotomy because he knows he's doing something wrong but he can't stop doing it and he doesn't yeah. seem to want to stop doing it he just no. knows that he's doing something wrong yeah, it's weird. So May 14th, Castro's attorney said he would plead not guilty to all charges if indicted for kidnapping and rape. On June 7th, Cuyahoga County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment against Castro. It had 329 counts, including two counts of aggravated murder for termination of pregnancies. These counts were from August 2002 to February 2007. Future findings would be presented to the grand jury. The county prosecutor, Tim McGinty, said that pursuing a death penalty specification would be considered following completion of indictment proceedings. On June 12th, Cuyahoga County Grand Jury brought on the true bill for the remainder of time after February 2007. This added 977 more counts. 512 counts of kidnapping, 446 of rape. Holy shit. Easy. Because I 
Amanda kept a journal, like a diary. And every time he raped her, she would put the number of times he raped her on Mm -hmm. the top of her journal. So they were able to count Mm -hmm. that for her. I don't know about the others. They probably just timed it by three. I mean, he had her, he had them for 10 years. Yeah. So that's insane. It's crazy. Almost the amount of like foresight she had, like, to do she that to yeah think about things that you wouldn't think about in that situation mm-hmm. yeah that's like a she, really she had a super strong mind because man yeah that would not be something i would want to be counting that no. would be something i would want to be immediately <clears throat> not thinking about yes um seven counts of gross sexual imposition six of felonious assault three of child endangerment two of aggravated murder and one of possession of criminal tolls On July 17th, Castro pleaded not guilty to the expanded indictment. He faced death by lethal injection if convicted of the charges. July 26th, Castro pleaded guilty to 937 of the 977 against him. If you have 900 counts against, like, you should just. Yeah, they were all in trial. Yeah. Yeah, that's. So these included kidnapping, rape, and aggravated murder. This was part of a plea deal which called for consecutive sentences of life prison plus a thousand years, all without parole. Because of this deal, he forfeited his right to appeal and could not profit in any way due to his crimes. He also forfeited all of his assets, including his house, that would be demolished. On August 1st, Castro was sentenced to consecutive life terms in prison plus a thousand years without any possibility of parole. He was fined $100,000 and the court forfeited all of his property. Castro addressed the court before he was sentenced for nearly 20 minutes. He said he was a good person um, and is not a monster, but that he was addicted to sex and pornography and had, in quotes, practiced the art of masturbation from a young (laughs) age. I didn't know it was art, but okay. Yeah, what a way to (laughs) That's not okay. Uh, he said that he'd never beat or tor- torture the woman and insisted that most of the sex had been consensual. Which, come on. Yeah, yeah. He apologized, blamed the FBI for not catching him sooner, blaming the victims for getting in the car, uh, and, or he and blamed the victims for getting in the car with a strange man. So like you said, yes, victim blaming on every side. Just all and over the place. Fault like- because, yeah. And he had the audacity to say that the sex was consensual. Yeah. He stole these children. Yeah. Kept them locked what a away. Thing to say, I was a criminal, but it's the cops' fault because they didn't find me. Right. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, that's not how that works. <laughs> Ugh. Um, Michelle Knight. One of the people they should, sorry to interrupt, but they should okay. just like lock him in the a room with the families. Let him go at him. Like, yeah, yeah. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> This kind of person does not deserve to live. No, not at all. Uh, Michelle Knight, family members of Amanda and Gina all had their piece to say to the court and to Castro. Michelle said, you took 11 years of my life away. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome what has happened, but you will face hell for eternity. I will live on. You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. And that's a, a hard, like, I don't forgive people for petty shit. Right. Okay. <laughs> 
Like good for Just people. A grudge holder. <laughs> that was so well put by her. That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's that's amazing that you have the capability of forgiving somebody for that for that long. And she was um, brave enough to come into court and say that mm-hmm. to him. Yep. Like she came yeah. in there and said, "Like that's amazing." Yeah. On July 9th, 2013, Michelle, Amanda, and Gina released a video statement thanking the public for their support. Amanda and Gina did not wish to speak to the media media about the ordeal and wanted their privacy. The Cleveland Courage Fund set up to help the women transition to an independent life had collected $1.5 million at the time of the release of the video. So I think that was another reason maybe why they kind of were separated a little bit is because Michelle seemed very open, um, you know, about what was happening and Mm -hmm. Amanda and Gina just kind of wanted to be out of the spotlight and not talk about it. Right. Which makes sense. I would want people to, I mean, I feel like I would want to be alone probably like left to my own devices. Amanda's grandfather had promised to give her a classic Chevy Monte Carlo that was built the year she was born. He had kept the car through her disappearance, hoping one day she would be found He still had it to give to her when she was found. It had a lot of restoration that needed to be done, but several auto shops offered to perform the restorations for free. Isn't that the sweetest thing you've ever heard? So sweet. I love that. Michelle was a little more open and discussed her time with Castro in an interview with people magazine one year after her release. She legally changed her name and got several tattoos, which was her way of coping with the healing process. She chose the name Lily Rose Lee and found when people called her Michelle Knight, it was traumatic and brought her back to being confined. Her son, who she was going to court for the day of her capture, was adopted by his foster parents while she was held captive. She wanted to see him, but did not want to bring him into the mess that was her life at that time and plans to see him after he becomes an adult. She dreams of opening a restaurant and getting married, which she did get married in 2016. She hopes to adopt children because of the tortures she faced. She will not likely be able to give birth herself. So after all of those forced abortions that she had, miscarriages, not abortions, because that would be a choice, forced miscarriages that she had, he, she can't, she can't have kids anymore. Man. And what a um, what a really strong person to know that like you want to see your son so bad you've wanted to see him since that day that you were captured and you're letting him just be a kid and enjoy his foster family that that you know adopted him and mm-hmm. you like that's that's the hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, she's really amazing. She is. So Amanda and Gina both got honorary diplomas from John Marshall High School in 2015. Gina said that she volunteers for the Amber Amber Alert Committee, offering comfort to those families or those families of the abducted families. She remains in touch with Amanda and her family. In February 2017, Barry joined the staff of Fox uh, WJW in Cleveland, where she hosts segments on missing person cases in order to help families reconnect with their missing family members. In April 2018, Amanda reunited with Charles Ramsey, who helped her escape from Castro's home six years after the rescue and was broadcast on WJW. 
as some have seen, it seems like Michelle's on her own and Gina and Amanda stuck together, even writing a book together. Gina has said that this uh, split occurred because Castro would use manipulation during their captivity and play into a series of mind games on the girls that made them not trust each other. As we kind of said earlier. Gina, I, don't know. I just... Yeah. Go ahead, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I don't know how you trust anybody. I mean, those are the people you should trust, but I don't... Why would you even trust people that are in there with you? I yeah. can totally see, though, like, trying to be the favorite to get more and be like, oh, well, she did this and she did... Like, I could totally... I could totally see that happening in a situation like that. Yeah, when you're working for necessities mm-hmm. to survive, like... I see that in workplace quickly. Stuff. Like, yeah. not even... <laughs> life or death you know what I mean (laughs) just like general things Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say Gina opened like a facility right next to where Ariel Castro's house was like right around the corner very close to it to help families with missing children like a place Mm. for them to come to and it was like right there which would be so much to be that close say, be hard, to that place. Yeah. yeah. Never forget though. Yeah. You know, on August 7th, 2013, Ariel Castro's home was demolished. Michelle was present for that and handed out yellow balloons to the spectators, which represented missing children. The balloons were released before Gina's aunt began the demo with a swing of a crane. So that's pretty sweet that Gina's aunt got to be the one to hit the house first. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because whenever I was doing the notes, I sometimes Google addresses and look at the street view and it was blocked. So then I started Googling it. And before it was tore down, even Google maps had actually blurred the house from, so you couldn't look at it, oh, which yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I get that a horrible Why thing occurred there, but now it's an empty lot. Um, but it's still blurred. So they have like hmm. flowers and trees there. It's like a park. Almost. Yeah, they. Yeah. Yep. And on September 3rd, 2013, at Correctional Reception Center in Orient, Ohio, Ariel Castro was found hanging from a bed sheet in his cell. And this was only one month into his sentence. So he what didn't last very long. A jerk. He yep. kept those women for 10 to 12 years and he couldn't last longer than a month um Mm. prison staff performed cpr on him before he was taken to osu wexner medical center in columbus uh, but he was pronounced dead the following day franklin county coroner confirmed his cause of death was caused by suicide by hanging and he was later cremated On October 10th, 2013, Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction released a report that suggests Castro may have died from autoerotic asphyxiation rather than suicide. The coroner rejected this suggestion and stood by his suicide ruling. Castro was not on suicide watch at the time of his death, but was subject to routine checks every 30 minutes due to the case being high profile. What a freaking coward. I think he killed himself. I think so yeah, too. Yeah, I think, he just I think himself, yeah. I think he couldn't hang. No pun yeah. intended. Couldn't, but he That's, could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he because he knew that that was going to be like and and they did say I didn't put this in here, but how you had talked about like a suicide note thing. He didn't necessarily leave a note, but he left kind of like a shrine with all of his family's pictures and all of this stuff. Um, and kind of they they thought it might have been a, his way of saying goodbye. Um, but what what a freaking coward, man. Yeah. Yeah. You put those girls through hell. And you couldn't last longer than a month. And like when you, I mean, when I, I mean, we knew about this, like when they mm-hmm. found them and we're like, what the hell, whatever. I don't think I fully realized how long they were kept 10 yeah. to yeah. 12 years. That is forever. Yeah. To be it's locked crazy. up somewhere and not go outside. It's crazy that he didn't like slip up at all during that time. Until when she you think, got yeah. out. Yeah. But it's like, it's just crazy that. And like, yeah, she said that that was the first was... time that his, her door, like Amanda Berry said, that was the first time that her door was like left unlocked. Yeah, and she didn't have so crazy the handcuffs on because of Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. And Jocelyn's the one that said that daddy's not home. So like, mm-hmm. if all of those things wouldn't have happened, she probably wouldn't have been able to get out. Well, and they talked yeah. about like in the 2020 episode I watched <laughs> again, <laughs> they, they talked about a time that his daughter came to stay at the house and he moved them all into a van Oh, and really? like had them parked in the driveway, but they were all tied, like all chained up. And they thought about, and the keys were in the van. They thought about driving the van over him, like running him over by just leaning over and like turning it on and pressing the gas, but they were too scared. So like, that was their first like main opportunity to get out, but they were too scared to take it. And that's like the time that they did actually escape. Like she, like how terrified oh yeah would you be to even like they were all scared to to take any chances to try to get Mm -hmm. out and it's crazy to think about because like i don't know when i think about if somebody locked me in the house i would try to freaking run through a wall like anything i would just try to bust up out of there but you know they were scared because they would get beat or raped or whatever for trying to attempt it so i don't know just that level of fear to live with for 10 years and then 10 years of not knowing if you're going to get raped if you're going to get fed yeah yeah what the retaliation yeah no it's and and that just goes to show you where his mental state was too like those women were tough tough as nails yeah absolutely. i mean to deal with that day in and day out for that long and it's he crazy. couldn't and he couldn't deal with i mean he got three meals a day and <laughs> who knows how you know a shower and a bed yep. and it was mm-hmm. clean and nobody was a toilet him. yeah yeah nobody i mean was maybe. abusing him all day long yeah I don't know, man. It's just, it, I it. hate that for the mm-hmm. girls because I feel like you would not feel like justice was served. I don't know. I feel like I'd be, I'd rather for him not be in the world anymore. Yeah, Knowing that he's, he's out like, there somewhere like eating and like getting a good night's alive. sleep. Man, yeah. I, I would rather him be dead. I would rather, 
I would have rather I'm a terrible person. him be executed. I would have liked That's... to watch him die. I was about to say there's like certain cases that should have public hanging, and this is one. Like, yeah, yeah. Have the I mean, town I totally come watch. I totally get why that was a thing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Something like this. Yeah. And I don't think it should be easy, like lethal yeah, injection. Like, watch them suffer for a while. Yeah. Like I think I think the worst one would be. Um, well, I don't know because all of it would be pretty bad. But like getting shot because you have all these people like pointing mm-hmm. a gun at you, and you know one of them's going to be the squad. one. Yeah, there's some state that's bringing you think that back. That would be the worst. I don't think that would be the worst. Maybe the maybe like uh, the gas chamber would be bad because you're just suffocating to death. I feel like hanging would be worse. Do you? If if you're, yeah. if you're South neck Carolina, break. yeah. <laughs> South Carolina firing squads are back. That's weird. Yeah, that is a weird one. You'd feel like that'd be the hardest one to clean up. Yeah. And to orchestrate, <laughs> and and the whole reason oh, it says about it got that, blocked. They tried to bring it back, but it got blocked. Well, the whole but reason still, about that, though, too, is that somebody has to do the shooting. You know, but that's what I mean? why you have ten people do it. Then you don't know who did it. I know, but still, that's a heavy yeah, that's thing crazy. to put on somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even they if there's ten people, a, they might like automate it now. Yeah, where you just oh yeah, stick him in front that. of like a tennis ball machine yeah. and yeah, let it go. Yeah, that yeah. would be better. So nobody they should has like to miss carry that for burden. that guy though. You can like yeah, you could miss aim it to where you get shot like twenty times. Be like, oops, missed again. Sorry. Yeah, because <laughs> that'd be the worst thing too. Is if like let him sit and wait for a if while. If your bullet yeah. didn't hit you in the chest or in the head or something like just that, you. and you just yeah. got hit with fifteen <laughs> different bullets, like. Mm-hmm. I just let them bleed to death. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like this, they should just like some of these. Like this one, they should just lock them, the family in the room because yep. there needs to be some kind of suffering involved for something like this. Well, and that's it's why like I inhumane to say. But, oh man, oh, if I they hurt if somebody did that family, to my family, yes, mm-hmm. I would have no problem. I absolutely, and this is where Josh and I like really differ because he is not pro death penalty, and I totally am. Because if my loved one was murdered or I can put myself in the other people's shoes and I would want so badly to get my hands on them. I feel like the problem with death penalty, like I'm okay with the death penalty. The problem I have is like, if you're not 5,000% sure. I know. And there's, well, if you have 997 counts against you, I think it's. Yeah. They should only, and they should only use this when it's yeah. like, we're 9,000% sure this person did yeah, this and they're exactly. super effed up and they should not be around anymore. Right. But I agree. When, but I they agree. do death yeah. penalty when it's like not. Well, that. that's why, that's why they have such long time frames of, days. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I agree. There are probably people that get executed that didn't do it. And that's terrible. Just like the West Memphis three thing, like, there you was know. 100% times where people were killed for yeah. things they did not do. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, all right. Well, let me cite my sources here. So I use wiki, uh, bbc.com, abcnews.go.com, uh, theancestry.com, the Des Moines Register.com, CNN.com, ranker.com, and all that's interesting.com. 
And I Sounds- used the 2020 episode the I 2020. watched on Hulu today. <laughs> gotta, gotta watch it. <laughs> so, all right. Just well, saying. we hope you all enjoyed this episode 101 on the Cleveland kidnappings. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.